Hello and welcome to another episode of Dawncast. I'm Di Lee. And I'm Cathy Ngo. And today we've got Carolyn Lee joining us from uh, Energy Experts, uh, a business that she founded about 12 years ago. Uh, uh, sorry, in 2012, not 12 years ago. Now, first of all, did I pronounce your name correctly? You did. Carolyn, <laughs> Caro for short, whatever, yeah. whatever floats your boat. Okay, thank you. <laughs> welcome to uh, Dawncast. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, but before we kind of get the conversation going. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, energy experts? What what do you do? Well, probably the best way of putting it in a nutshell is that we help time poor people install high quality solar systems that save them thousands of dollars on their electricity bill each year. So we specialize in all things solar, solar power, battery storage, solar hot water, solar pool heating. And we only install high performance systems that are, are guaranteed to outlast and outperform conventional equipment. Mm. Has, so do you th- have you seen a growth in uh, demand for uh, solar power, solar energy uh, in the last, obviously, since you started your company in t- 2012? Can you see the grey hairs? (laughs) (laughs) I've coloured mine, so you can't see mine. (laughs) Yeah, it's been exponential. It's one of those industries that um, that has just grown and grown and grown. It's a it's an amazing industry to be involved, and it's ever changing, which keeps it interesting. And it's it's growing year on year. How did you get into it? Because there's um, I mean, there's not a lot of women in renewable energy, and it's not to say that I mean women should be in um renewable energy and I think we'll talk maybe a bit about that later because there's a lot of controversy around renewable energies Um, but tell us why and how you got started into it. It's a funny story actually I I was quite anti-commercial everything around the time I got into to solar and um, and then it and I think the main reason was my whole family has been in sales for generations and um, and I just I don't know, there was a part of me that resisted it on some level, I think. And um, and then it dawned on me, excuse the pun, that, um, <laughs> that if I found something that I was really passionate about, then I thought I could do quite well. And um, and I thought, well, what are the things that I'm passionate about? And, and renewables was one of those because I'm not a tree-hugging hippie sort of a greenie, but just a caring for the planet sort of person. And, um, and I just felt like it was a really good fit with with my values and, and morals and where I wanted to see the world go. So um, I applied for a job and, and the rest is, is history. I started my own business about, um, you did the maths eight years ago now, seven, eight years ago. And, and yeah, we haven't looked back. It's been great. Now, renewable is such a big topic, isn't it? But it's also a very broad subject. What When we talk about renewable uh, what do we really mean? Is it energy? Uh, is it wind? Is it sun? Or is, are other things that falls within that category? Well, uh, renewable energy is energy, energy, any energy, I should say, that comes from renewable or natural sources or, or processes. So it's uh, and anything that's constantly replenished. So that means solar, it means wind, um, hydropower, biomass, geothermal, all of these fit into the, the renewable energy sector. I very much have my feet in the solar energy camp and it's a much cleaner and cheaper form of energy than than dirty fossil fuels like coal and oil and gas. And really it's the future, especially in a country like Australia that's blessed with so many natural resources, especially the sun and wind and, and wave power. It's, it's bountiful. Mm. Um, now the government just recently announced um, the, a renewable zone 
energy zone. I don't know if you're aware about uh, of that uh, in Dubbo, up in the central west. Uh, estimated to be about uh, 4.4 billion. That's that's they're trying to create a zone that would generate uh, or build a 3,000 megawatts. Do you know? Can you explain to us first of all uh, what does what does the 3,000 megawatts look like? How how can power. <laughs> what how can you break it down so that people can relate to what 3,000 megawatts means? Maybe they're growing something. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Hydroponics in the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the yeah. way out in double so no one can suspect. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. The drugs capital of the world. No, just I, I retract that. No, um, it's a lot of power. 3,000 megawatts of electricity is enough to power 1.3 million homes across that region, the central wow. west. Um, and it's it's quite an exciting project. It's it's backed by the New South Wales government, which is a real a really positive thing. And it's a modern day renewable energy equivalent to a traditional power station, like a coal-fired power station. Um, I've done a little bit of homework on it, and from what I understand, the goal of the project is to improve the way renewable energy is integrated into the electricity network, because at the moment, having too much renewable power can sometimes be problematic for the grid, which was only ever set up for power to go in one direction, Mm. um, to be sent one way, which is to people's homes or or businesses. And my understanding is that this project will be fully integrated to counter and to deal with this this sort of issue. And And it's awesome for regional New South Wales because there'll be close to 500 jobs that will be created as a result of the project. Yeah, because there was a mine that was closed up there too, wasn't there? I mean, um, there was a mine um, that was closed just around up in the central west um, There's quite a few of them that are closing because they're aging and and they're 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 aging assets, so they're not designed to last forever, and and um and they're dirty. They're very dirty coal-fired um, power stations. So this is going to be like a renewable energy zone within the central west. And and my understanding is that if this one's successful, it's a case study. If it rolls out to other, it, it will be rolled out to other areas, which which is awesome. You know, you can imagine there are all these hubs and and. Um, all these jobs that will be created as a result of, of these renewable energy zones that are, are being rolled out. And for businesses like yours, how would you be able to benefit from that infrastructure that the government is trying to set up? Um, I don't know if it will generally benefit us as as a business. Um, it tends to be really big um, solar installers like utility scale installers that that benefit we mainly focus more on on homes and and small to medium-sized businesses but it's fabulous that um, the government's investing in renewable technology uh, there's been a, a lack of certainty for the the clean energy sector for many years and any new investment committed to clean energy has got to be a good thing both for the industry and its investors um, but also for regional job security I think it's it's an excellent initiative now, clean energy, is there such a thing? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it shines down on us every day. <laughs> well, that. It blows that. in our faces on a freezing day. <laughs> well, that's, that's the direct energy. That's not, uh, you're not converting that. You know, like you go out into the sun and the sun, you, you sunbake and. Well, you get vitamin D, right? That's I'm, right. I'm low in vitamin D. Yeah, we, I think a lot of us are low in yeah. vitamin D because we don't go out enough. But that is definitely clean. But like when we talk about even solar, like I obviously have to declare, obviously my husband is in the renewable sector, passionate about, and you know he works for LG, as you know, um, Carolyn, and, and he he was the one that said, you know, you should talk to Carolyn because she's a real uh, 
kind of champion or making a difference in that sector. And he, he, he's passionate about that sector, but he also talked about uh, the fact that a lot of our solar panels are not made to last or the, the panels that we brought that we're bringing in and households are paying to have installed are not made to last and they end up either in, in, in the landfills. And so, you know, he was talking about, he, he refers about crap solar. So, uh, so for, from you working in the sector, can you explain, can you talk about some of the challenges for people like yourself in the, in the renewable sector, renewable sector who really believe in clean energy but are faced with facts like solar panels aren't actually, you know, last made to last long and you're contributing to the, the, the not a very clean environment because it's ending up in our landfills. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point that you've raised and it's something I'm super passionate about. Um, I refer to myself amongst other things as an energy educator and part of that is to educate people about the importance of buying quality. It's um, one of the reasons we like being an LG dealer is because, you know, LG manufacture really high quality panels. And, um, and it's an ongoing issue for the solar industry in Australia. Unfortunately, in this country, we have very low standards, which means the government allows <coughs> substandard products into the country that Europe, for example, would reject. And Australians have to be vigilant when they're buying a solar power system about the quality of the equipment that they choose to install on their homes. The general rule of thumb, anything that you buy in life, you, you get what you pay for. And solar is no different. You can buy cheap crap and you can buy a Rolls Royce and, and everything in between. Um, so, yes, Australians are, do tend to be... Um, quite prone to buying on price. And this can not only be dangerous from a product performance and longevity perspective, like what you say, stuff ending up in landfill, but it can actually be quite dangerous by potentially causing a house fire. Um, if good quality systems are professionally installed, this will never happen. But cheap panels that are poorly installed can develop hotspots, um, which is a buildup of heat in one particular section of a panel, which can cause the panel to heat up and actually catch on fire. So unless the government regulates the industry more, there will continue to be companies that simply want to make a buck and, and they're willing to and they're allowed to install cheaper components that underperform and, and are potentially dangerous. Do you think the government's going to work towards regulating it a lot better? Like where, where, where are they at in terms of that process? Because it's an um, issue, it's a clear issue at the moment. There's a lot of dodgy operators out there, dodgy panels. And what is the government doing about it at the moment? The government does have some standards that they're, they're working around. Um, it's just we think they could be higher. Uh, you'll no doubt see when you're scrolling through on, on Facebook, you know, ads for 6.6 kilowatt systems for three or $4,000. And it is the old adage, if you get what you uh, what you pay for and let the buyer beware. Um, if you pay a, a fair price for a good quality system and you go with a, a big name brand like LG, for example, um, and, and the same with the inverter, a really a good brand of inverter, you can't go wrong. It's one of the best and safest investments that you can make, but you need to make sure that you're buying a quality system. But how do you educate? I mean, we, you know, we have millions, uh, millions of homes, and and the 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 push for renewable energy obviously is growing. Uh, and uh, I understand that during this whole COVID nineteen period, even people are actually inquiring to buy and have solar 
installed. Uh, obviously, for fear that maybe the energy, the utilities is going to be disrupted because of the virus. They're using uh, energy more because they're at home more. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So they're now investing more in solar. So um, what... I suppose, what are some of the warnings do people have to be be aware of? Because a lot of people are um, older, isn't it? Um, yeah. Like there's a lot of door knocking involved. Exactly. And they're vulnerable and they probably don't have access to um, the internet. Well, to they, they do, but like the level of research wouldn't be as in-depth. So it I reckon as if you stick to five, five key things, you can't go wrong. Mm. Um, the first one is consider things other than just price. You know, have a look at how long the manufacturers have been around. How, look at how, how efficient the panels are, um, how long the warranties are, and also whether the, the manufacturers have a presence here in Australia. That's the number one thing. So don't look beyond the price tag. Look at how much energy the system's likely to produce rather than just the upfront cost. Uh, the second thing is, is to choose big name brands um, that have been around for, for a long time. Um, that's a really important consideration and not just what a salesperson tells you, but what ranks well on independent testing sites. Uh, that, that would be point number two. Um, a lot of people uh, suck it in by, by marketing and they see tier one panels. Um, tier one is a made up term by someone in the solar industry to allude to the fact that it's high quality. But it doesn't actually have any, well, it can have something to do with quality, but uh, tier one actually in, is all around the bankability of a brand, which is all about how many panels they manufacture. So you can have a really crappy tier one panel. It just means they're producing a lot of them. Or you can have a really good quality tier one panel, but understand that tier one isn't just about quality, it's about volume. Um, the fourth thing that I would say is, although the panels are really important, the inverter which is the, the component that goes next to your meter box, um, which allows you to convert the power into a format you can use in your home. That's like the engine of the whole system. So it's all very well to choose great panels, but if you marry that up with a cheap and crappy inverter, you're wasting your money. So we encourage people to choose European or Israeli or US inverter technology, um, because if you buy awesome panels and a crappy inverter, you've wasted your money. And, and the last point I would make would be just to choose an installer that's um, approved by the Clean Energy Council because they're like the peak body for renewables in Australia. And ideally choose a business that's been around for at least five years. If you follow those five things, you, you can't go wrong. Gee, but that's a lot to it really, it's, it's, uh, to, to really uh, take on and to uh, absorb in order for you to make a decision. If you're a um, pensioner or a, just a, an ordinary family, mum or dad, who said, look, I've heard that I'm going to get cheaper electricity bills if I have these panels and somebody comes knocking at your door and say, oh, this, this is a panel, you know, this cheap and you can get however much energy that's generated from these panels and they'll and it's cheap as well. It's so easy to get suckered into yeah, all the marketing so, so and all the terminology, like what you were saying, tier one. And uh, yeah, you know, like, you're like, we wouldn't kind of know. Yeah. yeah. Let the buyer beware, though. I mean, I see ads on Facebook for premium solutions, and I see the brands of panels and inverters that are being advertised, and they're rubbish. So you do need to do, do a bit of due diligence. And if you do that, it's, it's not hard. You, you, there are independent testing sites. Um, that rank panels and inverters, and um, and if you 
you know, you go with any of those options, it, it really isn't a no-brainer. So should there be government regulations? Well, there is, but, but it's just but it's not, not strong not the, enough. Yeah, not to this yeah. level. As you said, you know, people, companies are advertising this and obviously there's there are no criteria around... There's just uh, a lot of loopholes and poor quality panels mm. and a lot of people kind of... I think it would be good if the government did improve the current standards to yeah. prevent the, the cheap crap from landing on Australian shores and then landing up in landfill, yep. you know, within five years after that. Mm. Um it, it will prevent homeowners and businesses from being tempted to buy the, the cheap crap that's not designed to last. And I think also when the government puts up a project for tender, for example, they need to set minimum standards so that the project manager doesn't just choose the cheapest system. And again, it will prevent it from ending up in landfill and it mm. will continue to do its job for the next 25 years. So this 3,000 megawatts project in Dubbo there... Do you, you know, like how do we know what sort of standards have been put in place to ensure that those panels or those that's that they're building will be of high standard and high quality? Do well, you you'd hope. Mm. <laughs> you'd hope that when, if they're choosing that many panels, it's a lot of panels that they're going to choose equipment that's designed to last. It would be a, a, a foolish uh, approach to, to go with a cheapy, cheap solution that, that's going to have to be chucked after a short while. Mm. Do businesses or installers get some sort of government subsidy for solar? Yeah, both. Um, the okay. bigger the system, in fact, the bigger the rebate. So for, for um, the average household in in New South Wales or in Australia, the, the rebate's worth about $3,800 for a, a standard system size. And if you were to go for a 10 kilowatt um, system, it's a bigger rebate. If you were to go for a, a 50 or 100 kilowatt system for a, a business, then the rebate is, is bigger again. So what's there the is standard? definitely an incentive. So what's the standard for a household? How many uh, kilowatts or megawatts? Kilowatts would a house? Yeah, I was going to say megawatt. It's not megawatt. <laughs> I can't get my head <laughs> around the house. terminology. Yeah. No, I'm, we're learning here as we're having this conversation. The metric with system. You. <laughs> the metric is completely like. Um, so, how many in a household of say average three people or four people? How many yeah, kilowatts? Four people. Yeah. How there's many a dog as well. <laughs> there's a dog. I've got <laughs> yes. two dogs, so that means three. They consume energy too. <laughs> yeah. How many kilowatts should a household have? and aim for to have? System size-wise? Yeah. Look, the average system size in New South Wales, um, it was 6.6 kilowatts, uh, which is around 19 to 20 panels, 18 to 20 panels, depending on the efficiency of equipment that you install. What we're finding, though, is that people who have three-phase power, which is not everybody, but it's certainly a proportion of of households, they're opting for bigger systems um, because they want to offset as much of their bill as they can. So it's not uncommon to have um, 10, 15, even 20 kilowatt systems installed on a home, which is a lot of panels. It's like 50 panels. Um, but people want a future proof. And I think there's an element of people wanting to stick it to the grid. <laughs> if I can be blunt, you yeah. know, there's a bit of, yeah, yeah that one, that one <laughs> going peace, on. Peace. <laughs> yeah, no, not that one. That one. There's definitely an element of that going on. Read between the lines or...? <laughs> No, it's yeah. very subtle there. It's very subtle there. <laughs> Australia's got the most expensive electricity prices in the world. Yes. And, um, Water as and well. I, but it's a different topic. People at Jack are seeing their tariffs going up and up and up. So um, uh, they're doing what they can to become more self-sufficient. And solar is a fabulous way of doing that. Because you can get off the grid, isn't it? Imagine that. It's like the matrix. 
off the grid. <laughs> <laughs> you get off the grid. I'm going to have to correct you, Di. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, yes, you can get off the grid, but for 99% of households yeah. in built-up urban areas, you, can't. you will stay connected to the grid, but you can oh. achieve a similar result. So right. off the grid literally means snipping the, the, the poles and the wires. like yeah, the, chopping the, them the, down. The, the wires to, It'll take to a while. And then you've got a diesel or a petrol generator and 99% of us are not going to do that. Right. But um, what you're talking about is, is, is being super independent and yeah. self-sufficient. Yep. And that's it, doable. Interestingly, with and without a battery, you can achieve that sort of result. We, we do have clients that – quite a few clients that are receiving um, a, either a $0 bill or, or a negative bill. And they've just installed really good quality components and they've oversized their systems. They're using a lot of their power during the day, which is what you want to do when you have solar. But then they've negotiated a good feed-in tariff for the solar that they've exported back to the grid. Yeah, because you apparently if you have, I don't know if you know this. You can Kathy, sell back, is it? Yeah, you can sell back. Or you can put your the one that you, the energy that you've collected from the sun during the day and you haven't used used it. You can sell it back to the grid. Is that right? Can you donate it, like do a um, a Robin Hood kind of thing? No, uh-huh. Robin Hood is steal- stealing from other people. Actually, <laughs> yeah. no, don't steal electricity or solar <laughs> no, power. No, we're not. We're not condoning that. <laughs> but oh, donating so, so is a good idea. I'll answer the first question because the second one's funny, but not that realistic. Um, there will be a way very soon that if you have a, a, a nephew or a niece or a grandma who um, is a bit short of cash one month, if you have surplus, you will be able to, to, to give them to do that i know wow. that there are technologies that are evolving in that space but um for that now it's awesome imagine that it like a, it's a great idea think about it like a, a debit and credit system so if you've got lots of credits obviously you use your solar energy first but if you've got lots of credits that you've produced because you haven't been able to use them at the time of generation yeah. and you send those back to the grid um, then you get paid for that and those credits can go towards your nighttime usage costs. And if you've got enough of them, they can even go towards paying off your daily supply charge. So that's how you can achieve a $0 bill because you've had so many credits go into the into the pot, so to speak, and then you just draw down on those when you need them. Mm. Well, how about like a bartering system? Like you give me a supply of... I don't know, food or something like that, and I'll give you yeah, electricity. I know, we need to introduce Change. the bartering system, uh, absolutely, I think. I like it. Yeah, we need to barter, uh, bring that back. Um, but th- th- Another interesting aspect of the work that you do, Carolyn, is the fact that you're a woman. I mean, no, not, not this, that's interesting. It's great. You're a woman, <laughs> I'm a woman, Kathy's a woman. There's nothing wrong with being a woman. But uh, in terms of women in the renewable sector, it's very small. I don't think... Yeah, why is that? I don't think there are many I've met, I've come and, you know, because I've come across because my husband worked in that industry. So every time I go to so many of these events, it's predominantly men. Hmm. So how does it like... It's not like it's a blokey subject. It's just... Yeah, it's not. not, Renewable is not a blokey subject, but the work is quite blokey, isn't it? Oh, but the installing bit. Yeah. you're, you're, yeah, look, you're most installers are men. I've met one female installer. Overall, the industry is quite dominated by men. And I think it's because it's perceived as either being super technical or maybe it's because it's perceived as an extension of the building industry, which, again, is male-dominated. 
Uh, I've met some really inspiring and extremely competent women in the industry doing a range of roles from, you know, advocacy to get more renewables into the grid, um, engineering and system design and obviously sales as well. But even after 11 years in the industry, I find that whenever I tend, attend um, solar expos or conferences or training seminars, there are far more women, uh, men than women in attendance. And, and there's no reason that women can't or shouldn't get involved in the renewable sector. It's a booming industry and there's definitely room for a broad range of skills. Absolutely. And it's not just the installing part. Uh, absolutely. The installing part, I think it could be heavy because I've, I don't know if you've ever seen one of those solar panels. Do you install as well, Carolyn? I don't know, but it's so those panels it's are large. I think each some of those panels that I've helped my husband carry is about 20 kilos. 20 just under kilos. The 18. It's yeah. heavy. So it's really heavy. So mm. I think to put that on the roof and then. Did, did you install one? No, 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 no. <laughs> well, just, why were you carrying it? <laughs> because he had some panels for examples that he had to take to oh. a conference that he took with him and he had, I had to load it onto a, a, the van with him. So, you know, I kind of. I don't have that much muscles, but I do help him carry some of those panels on, on, on you know, whenever he brings those panels home. But that, that aspect of renewable is actually quite. Um, physical mm. there's a, a demand for you to be physically fit and strong yeah but even that's also testing on some of the men who are involved because for them to carry those panels to install over years can also uh, impact you physically well then they have to apply ohs principles and stuff i'm sure they do they do they do yeah, but yeah, it's 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 hard yakka, particularly in summer. You can appreciate oh, um, yeah, getting on the roof, getting oh. up on a roof or in a roof when it's um, oh. when it's thirty five degrees outside. You can imagine what it's like inside a roof cavity. It would be pretty oh. hideous. Thirty five, forty degrees. We're getting now forty five even. Yeah. Oh my god! I'm very comfortable in my in my <laughs> little office space here. Um, I can crank up the air conditioning or turn on the heating and um, and I'll let the guys do the hard yakka. That's not to say that women can't do it. Um, you know, I have a friend who's who's a, a fiery and that's a hugely physical job, but she's probably had to work harder than the blokes to um, to attain the same level of physical fitness and to be able to do the same things that they can do. And I think the same would, would be the case for, for women in, in who wanted to install in solar. Mm. So do you find that you have to also work very hard in the sector? Uh, oh, look, I've got a really good work ethic regardless. I always have, no matter what I've done. Um, I remember when I first got into solar and I was working for a big multinational um, company. It was my first ever sales job. It was my first ever, ever job working for a, a big company like that. And everyone bar one person in the sales team was a, a man. And... I've got to say, at first, I think my ego was a bit involved and I wanted to beat the blokes and it was great. It was a really good feeling when I did, which was a lot of the time. Um, but then I just, I don't know, I just found my rhythm and, and look, I like helping people. Um, and so I think if you're coming at, at um, sales from wanting to help people, from being consultative, being a really good listener, um, being thoughtful and considerate and, and being a good connector, which I have to say are, are predominantly female traits. It's not to say that men aren't capable of being or doing any of those things. It's just I think they come more naturally to women. Mm. And um, and if I find that by, I have found that by taking this approach, I have customers for life. You know, it's really about building those relationships. And um, and as a result, the referrals that we get for, for our business, the energy experts, 
is through the roof. Excuse the pun. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> Lots of puns there. Lots of puns. It dawned on you. <laughs> it dawned on you. Um, none of that was intentional, I would say. But um, it, it is. And I think if you do a good job for customers and you're really customer-centric rather than just focusing on your, on your sales quota, um, you're focusing on the customer and what's going to be a good result for them uh, and, and taking a really consultative approach in that in that process, then um, it's a win-win as in you will meet your quota uh, if you have one in working for a, for a company, but also you're going to get a good result for your clients and therefore they're going to refer you on to other people. Mm. Um, I don't want to end the conversation on, on a kind of down note, but should we call out the lack of gender diversity in the industry? Is it an important factor to consider? Um, I think rather than call out the lack of gender diversity in the solar industry, we can maybe find ways to make it more attractive for women to participate in the industry, um, be that with flexible working arrangements for women who are parents or maybe recruitment drives that show women the range of roles that are available. The reality is that the, the industry is in its infancy. It has a long way to go, but I am seeing more examples of inclusivity. Um, earlier this year, for example, the Smart Energy Council, um, which hosts a big solar conference in Sydney each year, they specifically sought out some female speakers to balance the, the male-dominated lineup. And I was fortunate enough to be asked. Um, and interestingly, I will be speaking about um, how taking a consultative approach to, to sales builds trust and credibility and uh, subsequently increases sales. So it will be interesting to see what the turnout is given it is quite a male-dominated industry. Mm. When is that and with COVID-19, is that going to be a face-to-face -face event or is that going to be a online um it was scheduled for April mm. and then it got pushed back to September and it may or may not be cancelled and oh. again it will be um, most likely 2021 that it will be held. I think any live events have been put on ice for, for the best part of a year unfortunately. Mm -hmm. You probably have to go to that. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> talking about uh, speaking uh, on on uh, at conferences, Cathy uh, has a, uh, a business called Keynote Worthy. Her I'd let oh, you okay. take it over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel so like put on the spot. <laughs> um, so it's basically a speakers agency or a bureau which represents um, underrepresented speakers, I think, like just more of the hidden gems and people that you wouldn't normally see. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so, so I, I think it's great that the Smart Energy Council is ta ensuring that they're, they're speaking – their mm. speaking panel. Very smart. Are, 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 are smart. <laughs> it's a smart, <laughs> smart move, <laughs> move to, to consider range of voices. Voices. That's great. But mm. I think uh, inclusion is such an important uh, part in. I think in organisations nowadays. So, uh, you know, would would it's great that that the renewable sector is also taking that on board. Mm. Great. Um, so, what's your advice for women who might not have considered renewable um, as a space to work in? Well, I'd say it's one of the most dynamic and evolving industries that you can choose to be involved in. Um, the opportunities are, are bountiful and the industry's only beginning to hit its strides. So if you can find a progressive company to work for, you won't look back. And I think you'll also feel really good about what you do because renewables release minimal greenhouse emissions, which helps slow climate change and it, it keeps our environment cleaner. So. It's, again, a win-win to work in the industry that, that's growing, where others are attracting and, um, 
and um, helps improve our planet and, and, and its health, which is important, incredibly important in this day and age. Do you have any vacancies? <laughs> For what? <laughs> For your firm. Um, I think we could potentially have a role in sales mm. in the not too distant future. We're getting a lot of inquiries. It's interesting that we're busier now than we were pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's because well people have got um, more time on their hands. They're really perhaps focused on on um, their homes and how they can improve them or, or how to keep their costs down. But, yeah, we've been we've been going gangbusters in the last couple of months. It's been really good. That's so good. Congratulations. Yeah. And uh, last but not least, so, uh, you know, after almost over a decade in the industry, do you still love it? Do you still, you know, is it still something that you're passionate about? I can see the twinkle in your eye. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I am, you know, um, like I said, I'm, a, I'm a, I wouldn't even say I'm a closet greenie because I'm not, I'm, I'm really quite passionate about, um, about preserving what we have in our environment. Um, so the twinkle is there. It's, um, it's an industry. Look, occasionally I need to have a holiday because I get sick of saying the word solar a hundred million times a day. Um, but it's such an easy and enjoyable thing to sell, particularly when people understand, um, that it's not just about a quick fix. It's not just about banging something up on your roof and, and hoping for the best. It's about a short, medium and long-term solution. And um, I enjoy teaching people about that, but um, I love getting the results back from people after three or six months and they, they send me their bill and, and they're super excited. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's still a high for me, even after 11 years. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Carolyn. And, uh, you know, if uh, we've got your contacts here, we will share that onto our podcast. But uh, thanks for sharing your insights and perspective on the renewable sector. Thank you. Thanks. Well done. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, for those who've been watching us, this is um, Dai Lee and uh, we're from Dawncast. And if you like uh, uh, to hear more stories like this, please make sure that you subscribe by clicking on the bell below and you'll be notified. So looking forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.